Good morning. How are you guys doing? Go ahead and stand on up with us. Turn around, shake somebody's hand. Welcome to church. We're excited you came out this morning. Well, it is good to see you guys this morning on this wonderful Sunday morning. We got a few songs this morning. We're just going to spend some time and worship our King before Pastor Mark gets up here and starts our new series on So. It's going to be a powerful service today. We're excited you guys came. Let's sing this together this morning. God is able. God is able. He will never fail. He is Almighty God, greater than, greater than all we see, greater than all we ask, because He has done great things, lifted up, He defeated the grave, raised to life, our God is in his name, yes, we overcome for the Lord. Our God is able. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning that, Lord, you are able to do all things. Father, we worship your name. We're so thankful for your gift, Father. God is with us. God is on our side, and He will make a way. It is far above all we know, far above all we hope. Cause He has done great things, lifted up, He defeated the grave, raised to life. Our God is able in His name. We overcome for the Lord. Our God is able. Lift it up. He defeated the grave. Raised to life. Our God is able. Lift it up. 
worship you this morning. We worship your name. We got a new song for you guys this morning. It talks about how unstoppable God, our God cannot be stopped. It says his kingdom will not be shaken. So we're going to sing this out this morning. I want us to, words will be up on the screen, follow along with us. And let's sing this out to him. Heaven thundered and the world was born. The light begins and ends in the dust you form. The faith commanded and the mountains move. The fear is losing ground to our hope in you. Sing this with sing, Unstoppable God. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Pretty simple, huh? It's a great song. We're going to sing this next one. It says, Freedom's Conquered. So let's sing this out together. Freedom's Conquered. All our chains are gone. Jesus is overcome. Mercy triumphs when the third day dawned. Darkness was denied when the stone was gone. Sing it with us. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things. They shall be done. Sing again. Unstoppable God. Unstoppable God. Let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name. They shall be done. This bridge starts off and it says, Nothing shall be impossible, for your kingdom reigns unstoppable. And that's what kingdom we are a part of today. So we're going to sing this out this morning. Let's sing this together. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, sing that again. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, unstoppable. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. 
Father, we worship you this morning, that you are an unstoppable God. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. Father, we worship you this morning, that, Lord, we come to seek your face, that we're not here on our own, but, Father, we're here to meet with the one true living God, that, Father, you're worthy of our praise this morning, you're worthy of our voice. Father, we worship you.
Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We worship you and praise you today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. Our children may be dismissed. Hallelujah. morning. Amen. Are you excited to be here? Hallelujah. Weather's cooling off a little bit. We got some good stuff going on, man. I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about what God is wanting to reveal to his people through this series. And I honestly believe if you will give the attention to these words in this series, that this is what will help us impact 
our world for the kingdom of God. Um, I, I think that we all recognize, we all realize that uh, the world is lost. Uh, every day that we are in the world, every day you turn on the news, every day we're hearing something new that's uh, helping us discover more and more that Jesus is coming. And guys, I want to remind you this, that none of this is to put us in fear. None of this is to uh, cause us to become weary. Amen. We're to continue to drive on. We know that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is coming back. He is redeeming his church. But guys, until then, we have a work to do. And um, I think it's very important now more than ever in these last days that the church recognize the work that is ahead of them, the work that's to be done. This isn't a time to bottle ourselves up in our churches and uh, uh, try to hide and get away and become fearful. This is a time to become more bold than ever. Uh, we already discovered several months ago in our series Immovable uh, that uh, the church was actually born in the midst of some of the greatest persecution, persecution that we still don't even know to this day. A, a lot of the trauma and a lot of the things that we're seeing still doesn't even come close to what the first disciples and the first apostles endured to launch this thing. And it's exciting to see, it just excites me to see that in the midst of such persecution, where a government was literally, literally trying to get rid of anybody preaching and declaring the name of Jesus, that 3,000 people could be born again in one day, another 2,000 on another day. Uh, we, we even see in Acts chapter 10 that one of, one of the Roman centurions himself comes to know Christ uh, by Peter getting a vision and going and, and uh, visiting uh, the centurion, and, and his whole family comes to know Christ. We even see that they get thrown in jail in Acts chapter 16, and they get the jailer saved and his whole family. God has no limits. There, there's no limit to God's power. It, we're the only ones that limit what God can do. Amen? And so I believe more so than ever, it, it's, it's time for the church to rise up in these things. And, and I believe that where we're going in this series is going to answer, I hope, a lot of questions for us. Um, because I think the one thing that we all struggle with is how do we continue to show God's love to people that aren't doing things that God loves? How do we have a posture and a position of love when we know very clearly, with no doubt, what the Word says? And we know if you live according to the word, blessings will follow you. We know that. We know that if you do what God says in his word. I mean, this is what God was trying to repeat to his people in the Old Testament over and over and over. He was telling them, now make sure to your children, to your children's children, and to their children, that you're passing down my words. If you will just stay with my commands, if you'll obey my commands, if you will do what I'm asking you to do and do what I'm telling you to do, blessings will follow you everywhere you go that you will have a promise, a blessing in your life. So we know this, and now we know that Jesus has been sent to the earth to redeem mankind and to restore back the kingdom that man lost in Genesis chapter 3 to bring that kingdom back to us. And we know that if you'll just accept Jesus and make him the Lord and Savior, that, that you will be redeemed, you will be restored, you are right with him, you're in righteousness, he'll make you holy, he'll work these things through you. But then the ones that reject it and the ones that uh, 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 don't accept what we're saying and the ones that 
uh, uh, want to live their lifestyles contrary, or even those that say, no, I'm still a follower of Jesus even though I do this thing. Our, our posture becomes different. We say it all the time, hate the sin and love the sinner. But I really believe that that's a struggle for a lot of believers. And so in this series, we're going to discover how to not only know that God loves you, but how to reflect the love of God to a lost and dying world. And so I want to look at some things over these next several weeks. I'm asking you to stay with me through these next weeks because I really believe that this is not only just going to propel you as a believer, it's going to propel our church into reaching our city and reaching our communities when you begin to recognize that no one is beyond the help of God. That no one is too far gone. Their their sin isn't too far. Their sin isn't too hard. That God can still reach even the hardest of hearts. But it starts with us. It starts with us. So we're going to get into this series. Turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. You probably already know where I'm going. John chapter 3, verse 16. I mean, how are we going to talk about a series on love without talking about what God did for those that he loves? John chapter 3, verse 16. I'm sure we all know it by heart. I mean, people that don't even know the Bible know this verse, John 3, 16. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, we could really just stop right there. For God so loved the world. Notice that it doesn't just say, for God loved the world. It says, for God so loved. Everyone say, so. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Who is this for? Is this for just a select group? Is this just... For a, a few chosen people that God predestined or preordained and said, hey, these are the people that I want to bring with me to heaven. These are the people I want to bring my life to. Or, or is he giving this to whoever? Whoever. That whoever believes in him. That's the qualifier. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What he's saying there is that they would begin to know and discover the life that God has for them. The life that you live before everlasting life is subpar, substandard to what God wants for his people. And so it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, the title of this series, as you probably saw, is So. So, because that word so defines what he gave. That word so is the determining factor into what God gave. It doesn't just say for God loved the world, but it says for God so loved. That shows you how much he loved. Why and how? Because he gave the most valuable gift that he had. Jesus was the most valuable gift. You've heard me say this before, that Jesus was the only thing that God had only one of. 
you, you've heard me say this before, that it's easy to give away something that you have another one of, right? I can give you $100 because I, I've got another $100 for me. I, you know, I've used my son as an example with this all the time. He can share cars as long as he has one for himself. But if it's the only car in the entire room, regardless of what other toys there are, you're not getting my car. It's the only one I have. It's valuable to me, right? This was the only thing that God only had one of. God's the creator of the universe. God owns everything in the planet, but he only has one son. One son. And so he gave up the most valuable, precious gift he had. He gave his only begotten son. But it's that word, so. For God so loved. For God so loved. And we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about the God kind of love. We're going to talk about what the love of God looks like. We're going to talk about how to love people that are far from God. We're going to talk about how to love each other. Love your wives. Love your spouses. Love your husbands. Love your children. God talks about love and all kinds of stuff. I mean, we've got a few verses we can run down here real quick. You can just jot these down. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, not suggestion. This is not the first option. It says the first commandment, that you love the Lord your God. So we all know that, right? We need to love God. Go on to verse uh, 31. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Notice that he's using the word commandment when referring to walking in love. We're commanded. The God needs his church to walk in love so badly that he's commanded us to walk in love. You realize that the world will not know true love until the church reveals true love. The world will not know true love until the church reveals it. The world is living off of a substitute when it comes to love. The things that we've seen just in the last several months in our own nation, dealing with different types of relationships, it has to do with people looking for a substitute for the real thing. Everyone's after the real thing. And the Bible tells us that God is love. So the only way the world is going to know love is if the church reveals it. But yet so many church people find themselves pushing people away rather than bringing them to themselves. Now, we're going to define love according to the word of God because you can't redefine love and, and start calling it acceptance uh, and allowance and, uh, you know, agree to disagree and I'll just look the other way. That's not the love of God. And we'll discover what the love of God really looks like. But in the end, it's the church. That's, the world's not going to all of a sudden recognize what real love looks like without the church revealing it to them. That is our mandate. That is our commandment. That we reveal and walk in love. So we know we're supposed to love God. We know that even we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. That one might be kind of hard because if you don't love yourself, you're not going to do a very good job of loving other people. So we've got to love our neighbors as ourselves. Look over here in uh, John chapter 13. 
John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment. A new commandment. That's weird. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now, that's not a new commandment. I mean, he just quoted the one that we know from Moses, from the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And now he says a new commandment. What makes it new? Watch this. As I have loved you, you also love one another. Watch what Jesus does right here. Up until this time, nobody could love someone else as Jesus loved us. So Jesus just took the standard of love and raised it. He just raised the bar. He said, you thought you knew how to love before. Now I'm going to give you a new commandment. Now you're going to love the way I have loved you. I'm about to show you what true love looks like. I'm about to show you how to really love somebody. I'm raising the standard. A new commandment. Brand new. Never been introduced before. Well, we know we've already seen this before. But Jesus just came in and said, no, no, no. I'm going to show you a new way to love people. I'm going to show you a new way to reveal God's love to people. A new commandment I give to you. John chapter 15, he kind of reiterates this a little bit more. John chapter 15, verse 12. By the way, these are Jesus' last words with his disciples. This is pretty important stuff. And this is one of the topics that he goes over with his disciples right as he's about to be ascended into heaven. He's about to leave the earth. And so he's picking up what are the most important things that I can introduce and go over with my disciples. They're getting ready to carry this thing on after I leave. What are some of the things I need to go over? Okay, let's talk about love. They're going to have to know how to love people. John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. For his friends. It sounds like Jesus is saying something that's easy. Love your friends, okay? I can love my friends. I can love the people that get along with me, right? I can get along. I, I can love the people that think like me. I can, get, I, I can love people that talk like me. I can love people that love me back. No sweat, Jesus. Get, give me something really hard to work with. He's, he goes on down to verse 17. And he says, these things I command you that you love one another. But now I want to show you this in Matthew chapter 5. So far, you know, pretty simple. Love God. Love your neighbor. Love others as you love yourself. Okay, so I just need to work on loving myself. Uh, Love your friends. But he wanted to make sure he covered all the bases. And so in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, he says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the one we haven't covered. What about the ones that disagree with me? What about the ones that aren't doing what I do? What about the ones that are outside of my little box, outside of my little window, outside of of those that I agree with? But you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. 
and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. See, we were all doing good until we got this one. You, you were hoping I wasn't going to go to Matthew 5. You were hoping I wasn't going to pull out the one that, you know, talks about the ones that we don't get along with. But he says right here, love your enemies. If they curse you, bless them. If they hate you, do good to them. So now we have pretty much, we've covered everybody. That means there is nobody on this planet that you are not required to walk in love towards. <laughs> he covered all the bases. They're all there. Every single person on this planet, regardless of what they're doing, regardless of how they believe, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what, what we think God thinks of them, we're required to walk in love towards them. We're required to walk in love towards them. Now, here's the thing. Going back to John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. His love wasn't just something he said. It was something he did. His love wasn't just words. Well, I love you. I'm praying for you. No, he gave. Giving is an investment. Giving is an investment. And you have never loved something you weren't willing to invest in. And this is where true love is determined. This is where true love is determined. We can say all day long we love people. We can say all day long that we, uh, 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 you know, love them. I just love them like God loves them. But until you're willing to make an investment, there's really no love. Loving is always determined by what you give. And by how much? For God so loved that it required him to give. The so would be, uh, uh, it, it would be a moot point if there wasn't that he gave. The so only determined how much he gave. This is how much I love you. I'm willing to give you the highest price, my greatest treasure. I'm willing to give up what's most valuable to me. For somebody that's opposite of me. I'm willing to make an investment because that's how much I love them. You think about this. Just of all the people that have walked on the face of the planet. Not even the, the over 7 billion people that are on the planet today. But in, from beginning to end. And how many of them will get to spend eternity with God. Yet he died for all of them. Past, present, and future. Yet he gave this gift for every single one of them. He gave the gift for the men that were crucifying his son on the cross. That's how much he loved them. There's an investment that took place. And you've never loved something without being willing to make an investment. Your love will cost you. God's love costs him something. 
cost him the most valuable treasure, cost him the most precious gift that he had, his only son. Love will cost you. Love is always marked by investment. We ought to not only be able to hear you say you love someone, we ought to be able to see you love someone. There ought to be an action. There ought to be an investment. There should be time, whether it be money, uh, whether it be just time taken with an individual, whatever it is. If you truly love someone or something, you'll invest time there. I've used this example before because we've already made this statement in our series on generosity, which ties right into this because you will be generous to the things you love. You can be stingy for the things you don't like, but that doesn't mean you don't have it. That just means you don't want to give it up. You might like going to see this game, but you might not like going to that restaurant. So you won't invest here, but I'll invest there. Investment's always uh, a determining factor of what you really love, what you're willing to put into it. There's not very many, many of us that will put time into things that we don't love. That's just the bottom line. You won't make investments If you don't really care about the other individual or the thing that's on the other side, you won't invest in it. When we talk about our our, you know, marriage relationships, if you truly love the person, you'll be making an investment there. You'll be it'll cost you. That means you'll be doing stuff that maybe you don't want to do and you won't be doing things that maybe you want to do. And maybe you'll be spending some time that maybe you didn't want to spend. But you know what? I love you. So I'm going to take this time with you. You may, you know, think about when you were dating. You may have wanted to go to bed, but she's on the other line. And because I love her and because I want to show her that I love her, I'm willing to stay on the phone even though I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. I wish I could just hang up this phone. But no, she wants to, let's fall asleep together. Let's keep talking. It's it's only 2 o'clock in the morning. We we can. (laughs) The investments. That love will make. I'll tell you right now, uh, the investments that love will make will look crazy. You would, you're doing that for her? Yeah, I love her. You're doing that for him? Yeah, I'm in love with her. You would do that for God? You'd go to church every Sunday? Yeah, I love God. You'd read your Bible every day? I mean, who does that? I love God. So I make an investment. I'm giving up some time. You, you tithe? You, you give to your church? Yeah, because I love God. Because I love God. So I, I make an investment. Because the investment reveals my heart. The investment. I can say all day long that I love God and, and not spend any time with Him. I can say all day long, man, I, I love God's Word and never read one word out of the Bible. Only when I need something. And so we've got to understand that if we're going to properly reveal love in these last days, there are going to be some costly sacrifices and some costly investments that the church is going to make in a lost and dying world. God was saying this, if only one becomes born again, it was worth it. If I'm able to save just one. It was worth it. I want to look at this today. Mark chapter 10. We'll just hit on this real quick and we'll let you go. 
Mark chapter 10. You know, as a pastor, I, there, there's many things that you strive for. There's many things that you want to see in your church that you're pastoring. Probably the number one thing is I want this church to be marked in this city and to be known that we're here for what we can give away to this city. I want to be known by that. I want to be known by that. I don't want to be known for what we have. I don't want to be known for what we've done. I only want to be known for what, how were we a blessing to Lowndes County, to Valdosta, to the surrounding areas, to the people that live right here. What are we doing? What kind of mark are we leaving? What's our legacy? And here in Mark chapter 10, we have a young man, and this is kind of funny. I actually saw this on Wednesday as I was ministering. Wednesday, I saw it as I was ministering. In Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 17, we see a young man that is highly interested in following Jesus. It says, now as he was going out on the road, Jesus, one came running, running, not just as Jesus was passing by. This guy is highly interested in hooking up with Jesus and being a part of what Jesus is doing in the earth. He came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now, another passage says it this way, uh, what, what do I need to do to enter into your kingdom? Now, he's not just talking about how do I get to heaven. He's talking about how do I get to be a part of what you're doing. I want to play a role. I want to come follow you. I want to be one of your disciples. I want to be one of your disciples. I want to follow you. And so he's asking the question, what shall I do? What shall I do? His life has revolved around what he does because what I do makes me who I am. What, I, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Uh, verse 18, so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. And you know the commandments, right? Here we go. We're going to start going down our commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Do not, do not, do not, do not, do, do, do. Do honor your father and mother. Do not steal. Do not bear. He's going down the list of the do's and the don't. Anybody know anybody like that? That's all about the do's and the don't. It's just real, you know, line upon line. Hey, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. You didn't do this. There's, I mean, it's just black and white, man. There's no gray area. It's just do, 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 don't, don't, don't. And so Jesus knows how to get to this guy. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, well, all, here's the things you need to do. Here's the things you don't need to do. And then verse 20, and he answered to him, teacher, all these things I have kept. Everyone say kept. All these things I have kept. From my youth, I've been doing that. So you're telling me I'm already qualified to be in your kingdom. I'm already qualified to come follow you. I'm already qualified to inherit eternal life. He says, 
All these things I have kept. Now look at Jesus' response in verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, <laughs> loved him. We see that, right? Loved him. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. He said, All these things I have kept. And Jesus says, But there's one thing that you haven't kept. There's one thing that you lack. There's one thing you haven't done. He says, Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give. Everyone say give. So the rich young ruler said, all these things I have kept. And Jesus says, no, there's one thing you lack. I need you to go and give. Give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. He's saying, you want to come follow me? Okay, you've kept all these things. But let's reverse this thing. I, let, let's see how you do with giving. But look at verse 22. But he was sad. Sad at this word. And went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. He had great possessions. The title of my message this morning is, Show Me Some Love. Show Me Some Love. The obstacles that I've seen with believers that have a hard time walking in love with people, the ones that have the hardest time are the ones that haven't properly reflected on the love of God in their life. And it's very hard to give away something you don't recognize that you have. You can't give what you don't have. The ones that are the most critical, the ones that are most condescending, are the ones that have been doing it the longest. Are the ones, uh, and this obviously doesn't go for everybody because it's up to you. It's however often you reflect on the love of God in your life. But what tends to be the statistic is the ones that are the first ones to post on Facebook against someone or something, the ones that are the first ones to object to a lifestyle or somebody out of more a, a, a slant of hatred rather than grace and mercy and the love of God are the ones that have been doing it the longest. The ones that have all the do's and the don'ts. It's the rich young ruler. Now, Jesus recognized something very quick, very quick with this young man. He recognizes that this rich young ruler, this young man, has a lot. Has a lot. And his question to Jesus is, what shall I do? What's the next thing that I can add to my list on my do's and my don'ts? What's the next thing I can get within my possession so that I can have what you have? And, and Jesus responds and says, well, here's all the do's and don'ts. And he's only trying to find where the rich young ruler is at. He's not literally naming these things as this is what gets you in the kingdom. If that's what got him in the kingdom, Jesus wouldn't have had to come in the first place. You realize that. All he did was name off the Ten Commandments. 
Well, if the Ten Commandments was what you needed to do to get in the kingdom, then let's just obey the Ten Commandments. We don't even need Jesus. But Jesus recognized it's not the Ten Commandments that's going to get the kingdom in you and get you in the kingdom. It's me and what I have. So he says, what shall I do? And he names off the Ten Commandments, parts of them. And he says, okay, all those things I have kept. And Jesus says this, there's one thing that you lack. Go, sell all that you have and give. Because following Jesus is not about what you have. Following Jesus is about what you give. He recognizes that this rich young ruler, watch this, this rich young ruler is only following Jesus to see what he can get out of it, not How can I bless people like you've been blessed in here? The rich young ruler wants to follow Jesus to see what I can get, not what I can give. I I grew up in the 90s. I was born in, in the 80s, but I didn't grow up until the 90s. And I I've have had the privilege of being in church all my life going to some great churches, being around some great ministers. Went to Bible school right out of high school, 18 years old, fresh out of high school, three months removed, I moved, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Had the privilege of hearing some great ministers, some powerful ministries, being around some powerful words. But there was a danger that crept in, and Kenneth E. Hagin even spoke to it himself. There was a danger that crept in was that we were only in it for what we could get out of it. We have ministers that are driving cars that are ridiculously expensive and living in multiple homes and, and living these crazy lives. I'm not talking against that. But what happened was is they began to put that at the forefront of their ministry. And if you didn't have what they had, then you weren't really blessed. You weren't really living the kingdom life. It should be represented by the gold and the money and the buildings and the properties. And so what happened was is we developed this generation of pastors and, and, and people that are ministering that are trying to help people just get stuff, just get a bunch of stuff. We're not talking about what we're giving away. We're not talking about how we're being a blessing. We're not talking about how we're reaching out. We're not talking about how uh, we're changing the lives around us for the kingdom of God. Because I can tell you right now, the kingdom of God is much more than the car you drive and the house you live in and the money that's in the bank account. God wants to use those things for his glory. And you know us. This is a church that's going to preach blessing. This is a church that's going to preach uh, uh, being blessed and prosperity. But prosperity is not having a ridiculous amount. Prosperity is having enough to take care of you and then be a blessing to other people. There's a, there's a 
There's a balance to it, and there's a backwardness that, no, I've got to remain humble. I, I can't have those things. I've got to reduce myself to poverty just like Jesus. Jesus wasn't poor. You don't tell your disciples to go into the nearest town and buy everybody food for fifteen to 20,000 people if you are poor. You don't have a tr- treasurer on your board if you're poor. Jesus wasn't poor, but his, his mentality wasn't what can I get It was, what can I give? And so now he's being approached by a young man that has a bunch of stuff. And he's lived a life, man. I mean, religiously speaking, I've done all those things. I'm in the kingdom. I'm already doing what you're telling me to do. And Jesus still says to him, but you lack one thing. You're short one thing. And it's always the one thing. It's always the one thing you're not willing to do. It's always the one thing that's the greatest sacrifice. It's always the one thing that requires the greatest investment or has the greatest cost involved. He looked at him and he said, go and sell all that you have. He wasn't trying to make him poor. He was trying to determine, is this guy in it for what he can get? Or does he have a mentality of, I just want to be a blessing and give away? Jesus said this, I didn't come here to be served. I came to serve. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords came to this planet to serve other people. For us, servant and king are at opposite ends of the spectrum. And Jesus just brought it together and said, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to become the servant of all. And so what we have to change as a church is we're not here just to accumulate a bunch of stuff. We're not here just to get a bunch of stuff. We're here to give people life. But the thing that I have discovered is that it's very difficult to give away something you don't know that you have. I like to put it this way, and and, and John is such a great example of this. John, if you look in his gospel, he wrote the gospel. He wrote the gospel of John. Yet if you read it, he calls himself something that I just think is really funny. I I love it when people in the Bible, you know, they have this opportunity to write about themselves like Moses, you know. And so Moses gets to say, you know, Moses was the most humble one of them all. (laughs) You wrote that, man. I, I don't know if that really makes you humble, but he wrote that part. So now John's writing his gospel, and John gets to throw in there, because, hey, I'm writing, I get to take control of this thing, so I'm going to make it say what I want to say. And he puts in there, the one whom Jesus loved. The one whom Jesus loved. He knew Jesus loved him. He knew that Jesus loved him. So it's it's no coincidence then that one of the major factors in his Gospel of John, and then if you get over to 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, if you go read it, one of the major themes in all four of his books is love. Love. Because he knew that he was loved by God. Therefore, he could teach others how to walk in love towards each other. You cannot reflect what hasn't been revealed. I'll say that again. You cannot reflect what has not been revealed. 
You can do all the do's and you can not do all the don'ts. You can have it all together. You can have your little religious lifestyle over here. Go to church every Sunday. Uh, you know, read your Bible all, like you know religiously, like just a little practice that we do as Christians, and still not walk in love because you haven't taken time to reflect on the love of God in your own life. How in the world are you going to reveal the love of God to someone else? This is something that I've kind of struggled with because uh, you know I, I honestly haven't had that hard of a life. There's things that, you know, uh, not just because I was sheltered, because I chose not to do it. I've had the opportunity to do anything. I've had the opportunity to mess up with the, with the best of them, man. I could run hard if I wanted to run hard, but I made the decision every time not to. And so when I look back, you know, uh, you know, when we talk about testimonies and you can get some people down, man, God has delivered them from some great things. Man, God has, has redeemed them. God has brought them out of lifestyles that could have killed them, brought them out of relationships that would have just destroyed them. God has saved them, redeemed them, and they just got this great testimony, man. They could have us all running around the room right now. And then I get up here and, I, you know, I don't honestly have that. I grew up in a Christian home, had great parents who loved God, kept me surrounded by the word. But God showed me this one time. He said, you realize that the very first time you sinned, you were in the same category as all of them. He only had to redeem me from one sin for me to be thankful for his love towards me. I have just as my, uh, just as much right and just as much reason to celebrate God's uh, mercy and favor and grace upon my life as anybody that's run as hard as they have. My testimony is not any weaker. My testimony is not any less. The first time I sinned, I was born in sin. I was condemned to hell out the gate. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I accepted Jesus, and you accepted Jesus, made him the Lord of my life. And now I can reflect on the love of God in my life to help me reveal the love of God to others. But I can tell you right now, if you don't take any time to just take a moment and just thank you, Jesus, for the price you paid. Thank you, Father, for giving up the most precious gift. If you don't take time to sit down and reflect on the love of God in your life, you will become the most judgmental and self-righteous there is. And call out everyone that's not living. When you recognize, I could be right where you're at, but it's only thanks to God that I'm living different today. You can't reflect what hasn't been revealed. You know, I I find it interesting that he doesn't even, Jesus said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Not even as you would love them. That means you get to love people like Jesus loved you, even though you might not love them. It's a reflection. We're to show them God's love, not your love. God's love. You don't get to redefine God's love. We don't get to redefine what uh, God's love looks like. I am only here to show you the love of God, which is far greater than the love that I can show you anyways. Ephesians tells us uh, as husbands and wives, husbands, love your wife as Christ 
love the church. That means you don't get to define how you love your wife. God has already defined it, and you just come into alignment with how he says to love her. It's not up to us. We are a reflection of the love of God. That is why you and I are in the earth today. The church. The church. It starts with love. It starts with love. And the first thing that we've got to look at, Chase, if you come up, the first thing that we've got to look at is do we properly recognize how God loves us? Have we fully realized the love of God in our own life? Have we taken time to just reflect upon how God has loved us, the times that we've messed up, the times that we have messed it all up, the times we just ruined everything, but yet he still loved us, the things that I have today, who I am today. Don't let what you have and don't let what you do and don't let what you've become take away from the fact that God loves you. Don't be like the rich young ruler. Here's what I've done. Here's what I have. Here's what I've got. And still lack one thing. He said, you still lack one thing. You think you got it all. You got everything. But I'm telling you, you're actually missing out on something. There's actually one thing that you don't have. Go and give. Do you really have a heart to give? Or has everything that you've accumulated? I've been walking with the Lord for 25 years. I've been going to church all my life. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. That's great. Now, how does that change how you interact with another individual? If that creates a dividing line between you and them, rather than here's why I can engage you now, it's a problem. God is calling His church not to just be a bunch of uh, religious Uh, pigs that just get fat on the church, but he's calling up a church that will take the mercy and take the grace that God bestows upon us and now return it back to a lost and dying world. We will not reach this world. We will not reach our city. We're talking about stretching. We just made an incredible announcement last week. The only reason why I want that property is so we can reach people touch their lives and see God change them it's not about me it's not about getting it's not about building it's not about a name it's not about having something for us it's about what can we do with what God has blessed us with because I know this that if he didn't die for me I'd be going to hell just like them change in focus. It's a change in perspective. This rich young ruler needed a change in perspective. And he walked away sad because of the things that he had. Because he had great possessions. The great possessions that could have been a vehicle for blessing other people caused him to not walk in the things that God had. Jesus, right after that, he says, it's hard. It's hard for the rich to get into the kingdom. It's hard for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's hard for people, and he says this, who trust in riches. Are you trusting in Jesus? Or are you trusting in the fact that you're in church every week? 
Are you trusting in Jesus or are you trusting in the fact that I'm in my Bible reading plan uh, every day? Uh, I marked off my little thing. I, I got my little U version out and I let the whole world know that I just completed a Bible reading plan. Look at me. Look at how awesome I am. Or are you taking all that in and saying, now I got something to give away. Now I can change what's around me because something's changed inside of me. Because of what he did for me, I can now reveal that to a lost and dying world. This is the church he's raising up. For God so loved the world that he gave. What what are you willing to give up? What will it cost you? What are the sacrifices that you'll make for someone else? We always sacrifice in ourselves. We always invest in ourselves. But he's saying, now I want to see if you'll invest in someone else. Now I want to see if you'll be willing to change those around you. I said this before. God was not, Jesus was not asking the rich young ruler for his money. He was asking him for himself. He was asking him for his obedience. He didn't care about his money. He wasn't saying, well, you can't follow me if you don't, unless you have nothing. Those are prime candidates, man. You got stuff? Come on, join with me. Let's hook this thing up and let's make something happen. But in the end, he was looking for, will you lay down yourself for your brother? He said, take up your cross and follow me. His cross wasn't a literal cross. He wasn't saying, cool, you want to do something for the kingdom of God? You go die on that cross. Tag, you're in. No, he's saying, I got my cross Here's your cross. Your cross is to lay down your flesh, lay down your desires, lay down all your your rituals and your programs and all the stuff you think you got together. Lay it all down for your brother that's dying and going to hell. See, he picked out 12 people, 12 men that would lay themselves down for the sake of the gospel. That would give it all up. That would sacrifice everything. And they sacrificed great. He went and he picked Paul on the road to Damascus. And he said, you're going to go and you're going to be my greatest voice. You're going to be the greatest catalyst for the kingdom of God. But you're going to suffer many things. There's going to be some sacrifice. There's going to be some cost. You're going to invest some things. Some things are going to be taken away. But for the gospel. And that same man is the one that said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power. It is the power. It is the power. But it takes the people that are willing to look beyond themselves. I'm not here to accumulate. I don't go to church. I don't give my tithes so God can bless me. I give my tithes so the church can be a blessing to somebody else. I come to church not just so I can sit here and just get, get, get. But there's times I'm going to give out. I'm going to shake a hand. I'm going to pass an offering bucket. I'm going to serve someone's children uh, in the children's ministry. I'm going to get up here on the stage and give my gift stretch myself, reach out so God can touch someone and change somebody's life. That's who God is raising up in these last days. Amen? Father, we thank you this morning for the precious gift that you have bestowed upon us, that you've bestowed upon your church. Father, your love Father, forgive us for not taking time to reflect on your love. Forgive us for not taking the opportunity to just sit and think and thank you for all that you have done for us. Because, Father, until we recognize what you have done for us, 
we can't do anything for the world. But Father, you saved us. You redeemed us. You restored us. You gave us a new life. You delivered us from bondage. There's the anointing upon our life. The spirit that is now upon our life redeems us from all the garbage and all the junk. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of your beloved son. So, Father, help us reveal that to the world around us. May we not just be judgmental. May we not just be condescending. May we not become self-righteous. But may we, out of a heart of forgiveness and mercy and grace, recognize that the same thing you did for us, you want to do for them. And you want us to be a light in darkness. Father, as we reflect on the love that you have shown us, the gift that you have given to us and the price that you've paid. Father, may it put us in a posture to reach out to people around us that we will see them the way that you see them. That we will see people the way you see them. People that are bound in sin. People that need to be delivered. People that need to be freed so that we can be the answer. So that we can be light in darkness. We thank you for this, Father. We thank you for what you're doing in and through this church, that we can continue to stretch out and reach people for the kingdom of God. We bless you and give you all the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Uh, Our ushers are beginning to move now. Um, uh, Women, I want to remind you, if you want to sign up for the conference in St. Augustine, today is the last day to turn in the $50 deposit. Uh, That also... Uh, gets you the t-shirt and there are flyers in the back that will give you the timeline of when uh, the other uh, money is due and you also need to sign up and let us know that you've turned in the money and uh, so we can get all that turned into St. Augustine and get the t-shirts done and, and all that fun stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to remind you October 18th will be our four year anniversary service. We'll be taking up a special stretch offering that day. Uh, If you obviously want us to begin to contribute uh, towards uh, the land and and the things that we announced last week, you can do that at any time. Just be sure to mark it so we know to set that aside. You'll see on the envelope, Vision Giving. You can write on there, Vision Giving, on your actual check. um, So we know to actually set that aside. Amen. But October 18th, stretch your faith. Begin praying now. Uh, Ask the Holy Spirit to begin to prepare your heart. What will he have you give? What role will he have you play in the work that God is doing here? Amen. You know, when you think about it, I had a pastor friend tell me this just this past week. He said, we just need 130 people to give $1,000. That's all we need. That's all we need. And I know that there are people that will give far more, far above that. But thank God, it is nothing in the kingdom of God. God's never been moved by money, not from the beginning. He didn't even design it. We're the ones that came up with the whole whole mess anyways. But he knows how to make it work for his kingdom and for his glory. And look, there's nothing too small. If he can take the five loaves and two fish, put it in Jesus' hands, he blesses it and feed over 15,000 people. I think he can take what we put in and cause it to multiply for the kingdom of God. We said this, we don't, God doesn't just want us to have this property. God needs us to have this property because what we will do with it will reach this city for the glory of God. Amen? And I told you before, nothing's finalized at this point. We're still standing and believing. 
uh, on, on these things. There's still some things that could happen, but we just believe if, that if this is what God wants for us, we're going to pursue it and uh, until God says otherwise. But God's awesome. Amen? God can do some great things. So remember that October 18th, we'll have that special offering. Let's go ahead and pray over our tithe and offering. Agree with me as I pray. Father, we thank you that we can give, we can sow, we can invest because we love the church. We love what you're doing here. We love the work that's taking place and we love you. And so, Father, we thank you that we can participate this morning with our finances, with a tenth of what we make and, Father, even above and beyond that in our offering. And Father, we thank you that uh, we can give this to you, contribute this to, to the kingdom knowing that you have our needs met. You are our Lord. You are our provider. There's nothing that we will lack. There's nothing that we'll be in want for. You know the things that we need even before we ask. So, Father, we thank you that we can be a blessing to the kingdom and to this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Guys, I'll let you all know we are trying to do a better job of announcing our stuff, uh, you know, at least a month out. And typically what we'll do is at the beginning of every month, we'll already have stuff going out. So like our mom squads and men's events, women's events, the things that we do throughout the month, you'll be able to see those uh, up front now. You won't have to wait till the last minute. And uh, so we're tightening all that up. But just stay tuned, stay posted with everything that's going on. Get Get involved as much as you can. Um, I will say this, be in prayer for my wife and I this week. Tomorrow morning we leave for Tennessee. Uh, There is a minister's uh, retreat taking place at Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, so we'll be on the road uh, this week. Just be praying for us for safety, uh, that we'll have a time of refreshing as well, Um, and uh, we'll be back here. Pastor Caleb is going to be ministering a powerful word this Wednesday. It's going to be a blessing to you, and then we'll be back uh, next Sunday to continue our series on the love of God. Amen. Were you blessed today? Blessed today. Amen. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Be back here Wednesday night. We'll see y'all then.